All right. It. Oh. And there we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for coming back. This is the Rings of Power Reddit Talk for episode three. Today we have on as a co-host Kelly Rice of Happy Hobbit. Kelly, if you want to say hello and introduce yourself. Or, or Kelly disappeared. Uh, System, if you want to say hello. Hi, everybody. I'm System of Cells, another moderator here. Very excited for our guest today. Hope you enjoy it. Um, as Will said, I am Kelly, but um, on our little web show, I'm known as Keely. And my sister and I have been producing Happy Hobbit, which is just a fun way to try to um, encourage you to incorporate Middle Earth into your daily life. We've actually been doing it for 10 years now, which is insane to me. Um, but I'm also a fantasy author and um, screenwriter and a writer in general. And um, some of you may have this massive tome called Middle Earth from script to screen, building the world of the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, which I joyfully worked on in New Zealand with um, what a workshops in-house author, Daniel Falconer, and a lot of the creatives behind the original trilogy. And a lot of the folks who are now also contributing to Rings of Power. So that's been absolutely fantastic and last but certainly not least our guest today is maxim baldry himself who plays isildur on the rings of power hello brother hello thank you for having me so exciting uh before we get started can i just ask so you finally have premiered for all of us in episode how are you feeling right now uh i feel like it's a very surreal moment you know i've been holding on to this job uh this secret for about three years uh on monday actually three years since the day i got cast and it's a uh, big relief uh to finally see it all come together and um yeah and get, and get back on tv so it's uh it's been a long process but uh a very special one and one that i've you know learned a lot from professionally and personally well, I appreciate you coming on here and spending your time on the subreddit today. Uh, Kelly, if you just want to roll right into it and start just hitting him with some hard-hitting questions, feel free, girl. <laughs> They're not that hard-hitting. But I imagine, um, you know, you stepped into a role where the character is equally revered as a hero, but also as a failure. Uh, I imagine that was somewhat challenging, but also really fertile creative ground do you want to speak to that at all um okay so uh i mean i'm i want to i want to kind of zoom out and talk about sort of human beings and i think they're sort of fallible in nature and i think isildur is one like a very kind of well-rounded human character who's able to make mm -hmm. mistakes who's also able to do heroic things and that really excited me about the character. He was portrayed in the movies as this sort of failure who ruins everything. But, you know, we're starting at the beginning of his journey and he's got an incredible journey. Mm -hmm. he, does, he does a lot of heroic things. And I, I think that maybe somewhat down the line, uh, if I do my job right, you will see a human who has both the capacity for good and evil and is balanced in that. Um, but, you know, it, it just so happens that the sort of the the uh the events that that kind of lead to his downfall are just overwhelming you know and maybe you know that you can see that the reason why he does what he does is 
because he's lost so much and loses so much throughout the, se the series. Um, so, you know, you could almost perceive that he's doing, or in his own mind, he's doing the right thing. And he's never just kind of, just suddenly evil. You just see him kind of using that as reparations. Um, and he actually says that himself as, as a wear guilt. Um, so, yeah. That, you know, and what you just touched on there speaks in some ways to, I think, Tolkien's wide and enduring appeal, um, you know, in, in terms of celebrating both the flaws and the heroism in humanity. And, you know, what else is there in Tolkien that you think draws uh, so many people in for so many generations? That's exactly what kind of drew me me personally into Tolkien is that there is, you see yourself in a lot of storylines um, and it's like snippets, it's moments. Um, and, you know, uh, I almost kind of go to, th to Tolkien as therapy, understanding the world, uh, understanding sort of the way that I live my life, how it can be different. And also it's a, it's amazing to have a human experience while watching fantasy. Um, and uh, I think, you know, playing Isildur, I, I wanted to bring it back to the, you know, yes, he's an epic character, but he's also a very young, hungry, uh, lost individual. Um, and so, you know, I, I hopefully you can see yourself in some aspect of him um, because I certainly see like aspects of myself in, in, in a lot of characters in Tolkien. And I think that's why it makes it so timeless. Um, it, it's, it's, it's escape. And it's also, I mean, I, I don't know why I'm using the word therapy, but I do, I do find it like a fantasy therapy. You know, you just lose yourself to the storylines and you kind of immerse yourself in this world and it's, it's an escape. I find Tolkien incredibly therapeutic. Um, mm. one, one of the showrunners at some point said, and I found this to be true in my Tolkien circle, is that most people who really, really come to Tolkien and stay came from a place of, of grief or trauma. And I think it's, you know, that universal message of even in the darkest of times, we can find light. And it's not negating that the darkness is an ever-present, you know, thing in our lives, but that there's something greater than that. Mm, this, I, I always kind of view it as a sort of whenever it's dark in my life, I, I approach and immerse myself in Tolkien and the work. And, and there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. I see a new way and a new kind of optimism uh, in the work um, that, that is able for me to kind of transform and grow. That's beautiful. So do you feel like there were some real real world or real life experiences that you've had that you drew upon to play Isildur? Um, yeah, so I think uh, when we meet Isildur in the first season, he is uh, sort of a misfit, um, but not in a traditional sense. I feel like he's a misfit who's trying to do the right thing, who honors and respects his father. Um, and I think that the, the sort of relationship between Elendil and Isildur is one of duty. So, uh, you know, he is doing what he is supposed to do. The societal expectation of him is to follow his father, become a sea captain. Um, but he is sort of, there's like a yearning in him for something else. And it's not really present what it is. Is it the west of Numenor? Is it, is it the fact that Galadriel arrives on this island, which sparks his imagination? But something about him sort of opens up in the, in the sort of, 
it, you, you, you see him kind of not really completely cohesive in, in Numenor. He's an anomaly. And, and I felt like a misfit a lot of my life, you know, wanting to be an actor, um, kind of from a high, I'm a hybrid of nationalities and, you know, fitting into society or what is expected of me was difficult at points in my life. Uh, and I just drew upon that. I, I kind of approached Isildur the whole way through feeling uh, rather than kind of being intellectual about his, um, about the, the, the way I wanted to approach him. So I always came through feeling and um, that I put into that first season of Isildur, which is someone who is trying to find a way to, to fit into society by being different. And, um, you know, he, he causes a lot of, pain i think but it's unintentional that his pain is because he's hurting as well uh which in turn you know leads to friction with his sort of family dynamic uh his friends are confused they're like dude we're living on the most beautiful island we're about to we're about to graduate and become sea captains and you're ruining everything for everyone um he's struggling to articulate it you know and i feel like i put all of my personal experiences growing up uh into him and, you know, that's what my intention was for the character, to make him very human and make him as relatable as possible. I think that really strongly comes through. And, you know, as characters who have never left Numenor, it's hard to have that perspective of, oh, no, we live in such a wonderful paradise. You know, I think that's part of growing up is leaving where you're from and experiencing some of the world and and returning. Um you're going to definitely see that in a sealed world. And you're going to see the sort of tragic elements that maybe shape him into the person and the warrior and the man that he becomes and that we all know down the line. So that's mm-hmm. what's really exciting about this is we have the sort of creative um, uh, ability right now and the creative license to shape him uh, from the ground up. So it's actually what I always find and what I love about Tolkien as well is like, the destination is not as exciting as the journey and Patrick and JD, the showrunners have this difficult task of, you know, knowing we have to hit certain signposts that Tolkien has, has laid down for us, but it's how do we get there? And the how is all about season one, season two and shaping him and, you know, having experiences in um, through, through the story that shape him Um and he, in the end of the day, he is a tragic character. He, it's, a, it's a tragic story of um, a man who loses a lot, you know? And how does, how does, that, um, how does that affect someone? And I, I'm literally looking forward to going through that journey with you as an audience because there's something to be said for, you know, the tension and dramatic irony of those of us who, you know, have been previously exposed to this material, knowing what's ahead for the character and sort of biting our nails as we watch his journey. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that's the sort of weight of expectation comes in then because people have a sense of ownership over him because they've read about him, because they've watched him in the movies. They have a sort of an idea of who he is. Now, my job as an actor was, um, what do I think? And, you know, everything is subjective um, and, I had to. I had to. Own, I can only do the Asil Dur I am connected with, that I feel and understand him to be. Um, and I, I, I guess uh, I did it with the most utmost respect to Tolkien. 
he was the person who I was thinking about the most. I'm, I sometimes think like, what would Tolkien think about the casting? What would Tolkien think about my interpretation? I'm speaking, um, you know, it, it all came from his pen. And I just really hope that I've, um, I've done him proud and, and uh, yeah, did, did, did it with the utmost respect that it deserves. So far, you've definitely achieved that. And, you know, I think that your process that you just outlined is very organic and, you know, lends to such an authentic performance that, you know, a TV show is not a book. I don't necessarily think it's fair to carry over those expectations um, to someone breathing life into a character. And I'm, I personally am really enjoying it. Oh, thank you. It's it's actually lovely to hear that, and there's a lot more in store for him as well. Like we we are just at the at the beginnings of his story, and he's not yet a man. He's not a warrior. He is someone who's trying to find uh, his sort of place in society. And you know that feeling when you're like, "What am I meant to do?" Like I think everyone's had that sort of moment in life where they're like, "What am I doing? Is this what I want to do? Is am I? Is this who I'm becoming?" Um, and then that sort of realization, I think everyone's lived that moment. And I think that is what Isil Dora is encapsulating in the first season. Um, so it's definitely a take on like a father and son relationship and that and duty that kind of inter, interweave mm. in, in this sort of in this sort of Numenorian world. So you mentioned Warrior there and without fishing for spoilers, was there any special, <laughs> was there any special training you needed to do for this role? Um, so, I mean, obviously, you know, he's a sailor, so we had to, we had to do a lot of sailing, uh, I had to learn how to sail, and I'm not very good on the, on the water as it is, so, uh, that was a bit of a challenge, uh, but Isildur also struggles to communicate very well with, with other human beings, and I think his, his language is through animals, and, uh, his, mm. his horse, Beric, uh, is, um, is probably his best friend, and someone that, like, uh, he cares the deepest about um and i had to learn how to ride horses and they go on a lot of adventures so all i'll say is maybe him and beric end up in some pretty dangerous things it's some dangerous places in the with the wrong people oh so we're we're only three episodes in and already as you know a huge you know nature is my spirituality and i love animals and i that's part of my huge draw to talking i am so happy with how many animals that they've incorporated into the show and so i'm absolutely delighted to hear that isildor is of the same ilk and uh that there's more to come there is more to come and i think and i think that sort of the language that a sort of character can share with with an animal especially a horse it's so Mm. um something so tender and sweet and, and and profound in that relationship i think sometimes mm-hmm. you don't even need words to describe it you know um, i yeah i don't think there are words i grew up on the back of a horse and there's such a spiritual bond that you form with the horse that i'm sure you you know experienced as well yeah i changed i think after kind of learning how to ride and spending time on the farm um in, in the out, in the sort of out in Henderson, which is where we were learning how to ride, which is in the beautiful uh, countryside of New Zealand, and that mm. was a very special moment for me personally because I I, I just spent time in nature um, with a horse and just trying to communicate and connect, and it was very actually it was quite sad actually leaving. Uh. Um, yeah, like it was, but it was that sort of relationship. It was lovely, and I think that also I put into 
Sildur. Sometimes I don't think he can articulate what he's feeling. Um, and I, I think if, if, if you always could articulate what you're feeling, you know, life would be amazing. And I, I, right. I don't think he's able to do that yet. Maybe he, may, maybe he never will. That's what I'll say. I think that's also, there's conflict in him. But I, I love that there's that there's a continued thread there then with his uh, descendant Aragorn and his relationship with horses and through bonding with animals. I think that's really beautiful. You'll be in for a big surprise and, and a lot Ooh. of treats down the line. Yeah, if, if, if you're like that. I mean, I love that moment where when, when Aragorn falls off the cliff and then uh, his horse kind of wakes him up and there's this love between them. And... Um, yeah, I think that I've, I've definitely put into the show as well. So the Numenorians seem equally connected to uh, the landscape and to the sea. And they have that phrase, the sea is always right. What do they mean by that? Uh, well, they're a seafaring nation. And so they have a very strong, powerful naval fleet. And as you know, Isildur doesn't actually say that line. He is forced to say it. Um and I think that the sea is always right, meaning that their sense of duty rests in the um, in the sort of success of of their fleet, and that they have to trust what is out there, what finds them. So I guess it's a sense of sort of structure for them, how they live their lives. And everyone says that line. It's it's quite like, I think Elendil says it as well in the show. The sea is always right to Queen Miriel. And Isildur is going, hang on a sec. Why are we all saying this? Why is the sea always right? Maybe it's not. And I think the seeds of doubt are planted. You, you just see the seeds of doubt already in his head at that point. And it's sort of questioned. I think that we're, we're questioning whether or not... Um, there's also a schism going on in Numenor as well. So there is, you know, Farazon and the King's Men. And then there's also the sort of pro-Elven Numenorians. And there's, there's the beginnings of this sort of breakdown between a very cohesive society. And the sea is always right, as I think any is an embodiment of that, um, which is like, this is the way that Numenorians have always lived. Um, and you see a sealed lord going, Hang on a sec. Why? Yeah, not, not so ready to surrender control completely to an element of nature. <laughs> mm. So, Maxim, we've seen a lot of pictures of you online hanging out, like in real life, with Lloyd Owen and Emma Horvath off set. What is it like getting to work with them as actors on set? Like, where does that chemistry come from? Um, actually, you know, we... we got along very well together straight away. As soon as we met, we spent Sunday lunch. We had Sundays together where we'd hang. Uh, Emma and I went to Rotorua. We went to the South Islands in, in New Zealand. We did a lot of adventures like hiking and uh, kayaking. It was just, it was, I wanted to create a very family-like environment. And then uh, <laughs> they were very gracious as well. I wanted to do the same thing. Um, but yeah, I think it's important to have a, um, because when you meet someone, you're playing, all right, we're father and son. You know, we've, we've, that relationship is very deep. It has the, the roots are very long and, and thick. And how do you convey that without spending time together? 
So we kind of all decided that we would kind of cr- do a crash course in, in, in family building. And, uh, and that was, that was lovely. And they yeah, also, uh, also became like a support network for me out in New Zealand. So they, we did become kind of, kind of like a surrogate family. Um, and I, and I think that that relationship really does come across well on screen as well, because, you know, we've lived through experiences already together, uh, isolating experiences in New Zealand. And, you know, we, we poured all of that experience into, into the work, into the work that we were making. The uh, reaction online for Numenor as a whole, just people being able to see it for the first time on screen in motion has been overwhelmingly positive. What was that like for you each day, like waking up and actually like heading to set to be in these crazy sets? Oh, I remember the first day on set with uh, Wayne Yip. Uh, we were shooting in the Coromandel and um we, we we kind of it was a private beach it was it was absolutely visually striking i i went into the makeup chair i got ready and i i just took one of those like director's chairs and i put it down on the beach and i just watched the sunrise and i realized that this was the first time we're ever going to see a numenorean coastline in the show and it just kind of blew my mind and it, this whole epic nature and scale of the show just blew me away. It was a privilege and it was, I feel very honored and grateful to have had the chance to bring this story to life and bring the first, you know, Numenor, a never before seen island, Tolkien's Atlantis um, to the screen. And, you know, they, 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 there was no expense spared. Like they built a whole city with a harbor attached and, you know, it took you about 10 minutes to walk through and, yeah, that was, I think that was the most kind of pinch. It was, that was definitely the, the, the biggest pinch me moment. My inner child was jumping up and down every single day on set. And I, did, I, I never stopped feeling, even now talking about it, I'm still very, very, um, very grateful. Well, you, you brought up Wayne Yip. And uh, I was going to ask you, you know, what was it like working with him? But also, were those the first scenes that you filmed for the show? Were, were they the ones that we saw here? Yeah, they actually were. They were. They were about... Um, the first, the first shot for me was with my friends uh, as I got off the boat and we, we were pulling the boat in and I'm standing in a line and, and the, there's actually that line, the sea is always right. That was my first day on set. Um, so it's very, very cool watching it uh, back because it was filmed so long ago now. Uh, but Wayne Yip was a very collaborative director and um, yeah, very, very kind and, 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 and calm, which is lovely especially considering you know there's drones and about four cameras and everything is just amped up to the max and wayne was a lovely calming influence for all of us actors and listened and played and yeah creatively i feel like i could i could do a lot of great work with him so i'm very grateful for that now earlier on when we had less information to kind of pour over um, those posters came out <laughs> showing everybody's hands, right? And we had a yeah. lot of detectives here on Reddit who were looking at scars, birthmarks, even veins, trying to figure out whose poster belonged to who. Uh, your poster was one of the first that people were able to confirm. Uh, <laughs> the fandom gets into some crazy things. Uh, for you, what was the craziest thing to learn about the fandom? Um, I think I think it's just the sense that people have lived with these characters for a lot longer than I have, you know. Um, and so there's a sense of I mean I I love the fact that that people are obsessing over the smallest of details. I think that's also 
how I view when I when I when I love something, I obsess over it, and then I kind of. I love dissecting the smallest of moments, the smallest of looks. Oh my God, he did this, he did that. Oh my God, the the camera panned at this moment. Who is that? What? Why? You know. And I, I think something about Tolkien is timeless, um, and it lives on. And we want to make every single moment the most special it can be. And every day is a gift on set, working with Patrick and JD, who are weaving magic just like Tolkien himself. And and yeah, it's just lovely to be part of a well-loved um, fantasy world um, that I also grew up, you know, loving and obsessing over. I ran, I used to run around uh, as Boromir uh, in the back garden, uh, pretending I had arrows being shot through me, and I, I'd, I'd kind of ask my mum and dad to keep watching this. They'd be like, "Yeah, all right, Maxim, okay." And I'm like, "One day, one day, Dad, I'll be in Lord of the Rings," and he was like, "All right, son, but the films have already been done, so." onto the next fantasy world then. So that it's just it feels very like connected that I'm 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 in it and I feel very lucky and um yeah counting my blessings every day. That's fantastic. It's... You must feel a bit smug about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he yeah he must be uh he's like no way. No way you in Lord of the Rings. I'm like I am I remember that that that, that conversation was really great. It's very great. What a dream come true literally literally it is a dream come true and i'm living the dream so um yeah but 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 saying that you know there is still a lot of it's it's hard work you know it's not easy um and you know especially because of the the work that we have to do is very physically demanding and also like it's a long shoot so mentally you know you have to keep up um consistency and energy throughout throughout very long shoots it's not it's not like a quick four or eight week shoot in and out you know, you, you are shooting for a quite long period of time. Uh, but that's also great because we have time. And that's something that you, I never, ever had on a, a sort of uh, a smaller scale job. It's quite, it's quite quick and fast paced. Whereas with rings, you know, we have three days to shoot one scene. Um, so I felt very lucky being able to, to do that and for them to kind of give us time. I'm sure that when you're on a pouring so much of yourself into the job it can feel a little bit like you're creating in a vacuum and so I'm wondering what it was like when when you did get to go to San Diego Comic-Con and you've gone on these world tours and you've gotten to connect with fans like like myself you and I met briefly at San Diego Comic-Con but I'm just one of millions of people who have lined up to not only see the show, but to see the cast and to listen to your interviews and everything. How does that feel to finally get some uh, some communication? And and I imagine that's some of the fun part. It's it's yeah, it's a it's a big relief that you know it's being so well received and people are loving it. And uh, I yeah, I've, you know, it's the, it's this overwhelming sense of of gratefulness um, and to be able to communicate about something that I've worked on for so long is is so lovely and it feels very like almost an emotional release of energy you know when you've when you've kind of been working on it for so long in a vacuum um kind of your castmates are probably the only people you could really talk to about this uh with and now being able to go right okay so this is a sealed door this is who he is um and this is who he's becoming and did you so forgive me if i'm pronouncing her character name wrong Isildur and 
Arian. Arian. Yes. Arian. <laughs> um, I really loved seeing their bond of support and trust in in episode three, even though they they seem to be very different personalities. Um, they but, are very different people. Yeah. Yeah. So, what is? Can you tell us more about their dynamic as siblings? Um, there is like they're very different people. Um, and I think Aardian, in a way, is almost assuming the role of mother uh, because we are all grieving the death of our mother. And she is being f- kind of forced into a role that she's not really ready for, uh, I guess. Um, and I, I hate to use the word squeaky wheel, but I'm going to use it for a sealed door because he is that sort of problem child in a, in a family rather than he's in a way selfish. He's taking a lot of the energy up from Elendil and from Aarian because he's like, I want to do this. I'm not content. I'm not happy. What? So uh, maybe you could see that you could say that she's slightly overlooked um, in our dynamic, in our family. Um, but between them, there's definite love. Like I think he really cares for her and loves her, but he's just got so much on his own plate right now. And I think when, whenever someone who's young on the cusp of adulthood goes through that, you know, they, they do tend to look inwards and they don't really, they're not very self-aware of, of, what, of, of how their actions may impact others. And I think Isildur, you know, you see that with his friends a lot of the time. And they go like, dude, what the heck? And I won't go into spoilers, but like, you know, he, 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 he tends to kind of leave a slight path of destruction wherever he goes. Um, and Aarian is definitely on, on, the, on the receiving end of that at times as well. Now, Isildur seems to be yearning for the western shores of Numenor. What is there for him there? Um, well, you know, he's, uh, they're all missing a brother at the minute, Anarion. And no one knows where he is. Um, so potentially he might be there. But I, I can't really probably go into that too much. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a missing family member, Anarion. And uh, we believe that he's in the West of Numenor. And the West are people who are sort of the faithful, the beginnings of the faithful. They, they, they are all there. Yeah, and it sounded, it sounded like Anarion might have had something to do with Sealdor's, let's call it, discontent with his current path. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very um, interesting. I, I, I really can't go into too much on that. No, we won't ask <laughs> you to do me. anymore. So, so forgive me on that, yeah. Um, and, and by the end of the episode, because of that, tensions seem to be you know, rising between yourself and Elendio. Uh, can you tell us any more about what's dr- the driving force behind that stream? Yeah, so um, Elendil is, is sort of asking him to, asking Isildur to uh, graduate and become a sea captain um, so he can finally become like him. And I think there's a sense of almost like a father who, you know, has seen the world, is living within the sort of confines of societal expectations, and you, you go, this is what you're meant to do, son, right? Follow, follow me. And in that ep- in that last scene in the third episode between Elendil and Isildur, he goes, Isildur goes, I'm I'm thinking I might defer, and you know I think defer is also a Isildur's not going like, oh you know what screw you I'm I'm off you know I'm out of here. He's going let me just take a moment for myself to find myself, 
So there's a sort of breakdown in sort of communication between father and son. You know, Elendil goes, defer. Like straight away, it's like, that's the worst. It's a, it's a catastrophe. So there's a sort of, there's an inability to understand one another. And I think Isildur is trying to break free of constraint. He wants to be free. Uh, he doesn't quite know what he wants to do. There's a yearning in this, a romantic notion of, of something else out there. Um, but he's trying to respect his sense of duty. So he's trying to be an honourable son, but he's not perceived that way. And I think throughout the season, you, you'll see a breakdown in that. Well, I got to say, it was a uh, pleasure having you on here. It was awesome to see Numenor for the first time, see you in character, ignore my best friend Emma Horvath, and go directly. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time and, and just joining us today and taking notice of our subreddit, our little place on the internet, and uh, being able to answer some questions for you. So I really appreciate that. It's a very special show, and it feels lovely to still be able to talk about it with, with, with you guys that are so excited. And yeah, let's, let's chat more. When, when, when you're back on set for season two, you've got to give all the horses love for me. <laughs> of course, I will do. Thank um, you, man. Hope you have a great thank day. Thank you so much. You too. Bye-bye-bye.